hey, if you are an Amazon seller or a D2C brand and you are just hitting that 100K mark and you are looking to scale up with the right partner to help you with cash flow financing, this is gonna be a really good video for you to dig into. We have Emma Borachoff, who is the head of US marketing for 8fig.co. This is the Launch and Scale podcast, the home of some of the best e-commerce advice on the internet today. Whether you're launching your first product or scaling your existing storefront, we include conversations from industry experts, best practices, and practical tips to help you run a profitable e-commerce brand online today. I'm your host, Kirsten, and my mission is to create 100 seven-figure brands by 2027. If you're going to be one of them, be sure to subscribe and not miss another episode. By the way, for more resources and information on how to work with us, go to launchandscale.co. Remember, that's .co, not .com. Apart from that, let's get into the episode. They are a platform that helps D2C sellers through the planning and the funding side to help you with continuous funding to scale. And what one of the big shockers that you'll find as you start to really grow your e-commerce brand is that you may not be limited by how like how much you can sell because once you got sales down, the big limiter to your growth is going to be to be able to keep up with inventory demand. And that's where when you get into this world of cash flow financing, there's so much that you don't know that I'm really pumped to dig into today with Emma. So Emma, thank you so, so much for coming onto the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, just so you know, we work with Amazon sellers as well, in addition to DTC. Yeah. So most, most of the platforms, but yeah. Yeah. I actually got it wrong before we started recording. And so I, I wrote a list. So I'll be sure in the show notes and stuff to write a list of some of the platforms that they do work with. Um, but funny story about how we got here and then we'll get into the interview. Um, I got an email from someone representing your team wanting us to do paid content for eight fig. And I kind of brushed it off as like another spam email because at the time I wasn't familiar with 8fig. And then just perusing on Facebook, I was in a group with Amazon sellers and there was a thread started about how amazing 8fig is. And I was like, wait, and I connected the dots. And then I went to 8fig.co and I was like, oh no, I want to actually bring them onto the show because I think what you guys are doing is phenomenal. So that's like a really cool backstory for how we got here. But um, Emma, like most interviews, I would love to hear a little bit from the horse's mouth for what um, you and 8fig do to help online sellers really scale up with cash flow financing. Yeah. So well, first off, that is a great story. And probably shout out to Lauren, who I feel like was maybe maybe the one who said that. Um, so so thanks for that. Um, yeah, so so eight fig. So what we do, so we're a planning and funding platform. Um, to be honest, there are a lot of financing companies out there. So what when you know when I do talk about us, I like to kind of differentiate. You know, let let sellers know, um, you know how we're different. Because um, you know everyone is, you know, looking for something different and needs kind of something that fits their needs. Um, yeah. But the way that we work is that, so we actually have a platform, um, which in itself is pretty unique. Um, and so basically we have, our sellers are able to build out their, 
um, pretty much mapping their supply chain. So building out their batches of inventory. So looking at, um, okay, I need, you know, this many units. These are the costs associated with that batch. Um, so the deposit, the freight, the marketing, like all that jazz, kind of building that out over the course of like six to 12 months, like really looking at, um, those different points where you need all the inventory, when those payments are due. And we look at that and see when you're going to need cash the most. And then we fund you at those moments. Um, so we fund you incrementally based off yeah. of your plan. So you get exactly what you need when you need it. Um, yeah. And then what's also great is it's flexible. So you can actually, you know, maybe you're selling more, you're selling less. Maybe you need to push back like when you're going to be ordering another batch of inventory. Um, maybe you need to order more. Uh, you can kind of change the amounts that you're getting as you go mm-hmm. and kind of put that request in. Like our platform is actually like made for that because we're completely yeah. e-commerce first. Um, e-commerce only. Like we don't fund anyone who's not in e-commerce. Yeah. Um, so so that's really, really nice for our, for our sellers. I love that. And that was one thing that was really unique when I dug into how you work and how you're slightly different from most traditional cash flow financiers, I guess, where my understanding of cash flow inventory in the past, you know, financing, sorry, is that you would be applying for a lump sum of 200,000 or whatever. And then that would only apply to that purchase order and you would get it in one lump sum as opposed to like a cash flow cycle that actually matches what the the seller's online cycle is between like because you're right there's the deposit there's the final payment there's the shipping there's there's that spans over four to six months for the average order and so most traditional financing seems to be not like it, it's very unique to what and how you are doing it with eight fig um I love to know, like, why did you pivot to more of the of a timeline model with milestone funding as opposed to like just a lump sum? Yeah, I mean, that was something that our founders, so our founders had started, well, two of our founders had started a previous company that was focusing on um, like supply chain management. Um, so they were already kind of in the industry and they saw just how much how insane supply <laughs> chain is and kind of kind of the you know joke of like when is when can you predict supply chain never that's not a good joke but it's just never, never <laughs> predictable so it's like really kind of looking at the struggles that these e-commerce sellers deal with is just like there's constant there's just so many variables involved um and so it was something, you know, and then kind of the third founder had a more of like finance background. So kind of bridging, bringing those things together between financing and supply chain, it just made sense to really focus on like seeing that opportunity of, hey, like we need financing specifically for e-commerce that can understand the supply chain, that can understand the different risks associated with that. Um, And so that was something that you know, kind of was born from that background of knowing that there was a need for that. There didn't really seem to be anything in the marketplace, especially kind of a tool um, that allowed sellers to really like do this. And another thing we saw is that um, a lot of smaller sellers, like, you know, they're just, a lot of people are just like their side hustle. That's how they kind of start off. Originally, they, they have a day job. They have a lot of other things going on. So a lot of times they're not necessarily like building that plan um, and they're not really kind of, updating it in the way that lets them be more proactive versus reactive to changes in the supply chain. So it's something that, 
we wanted to also make a tool that allowed them something like, you know, pretty straightforward that allowed them to have a little more control, like control, but control and the way that like, at least you understand kind of what your plan is. And then it's a lot easier to, it's a lot easier to make changes to your plan versus not having a plan at all and kind of just going with it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there are two sides to placing orders. You have the inventory forecasting, which is looking 12 months ahead, looking at your sales from the last 12 months and hypothesizing how many units of X you're going to need for Q4 and then what that means for when you need to order and then working backwards into like, okay, well, if I need to order 10,000 units, that's going to cost 25,000 in funding. And it, it tends to be like two different conversations happening where it sounds like in part of the cash flow forecasting, does 8fig offer inventory forecasting as well with that? That's a great question. So we do not offer very like it's not robust forecasting it's really kind of a planning tool that's definitely something that we're looking into as well as you know kind of looking at some partnerships we can build that really are like as robust as you know you might want um so right now not we kind of like preach the need to do it um at least at a minimum of kind of like at least mapping out your needs and kind of updating as you go. But obviously if you do have a tool where you can kind of build in more variables such as um, like seasonal pricing or if you're going to be launching a PPC campaign, right. you know, that might pick up what you need. Um, but as of right now, we we do not, but it's definitely something that we um, are hoping to, to have in the near future. It's super cool. Um, So I want to dial it back a little bit because where I think the seller is, if somebody is just, they've say ordered a couple runs of inventory already, they're doing consistent monthly sales, potentially they've already hit that 10, 15 K per month, six figure business. And they're like, all right, what do I got to do to explore that? So funding options available for small businesses right now are Kickstarter. Um, You have cash flow financing options like you know, eight fig, you have equity slash angel investors, um, slash VCs or whatnot. You could do self-funding, you could do bank loan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And part of what's really interesting is we have a cash flow model that we use to forecast the outcome of Kickstarter launches because a lot of the time sellers want to see, okay, like if I input X, like if I spend this much to get my product off the ground with Kickstarter, what is my yield and how much do I have left over to buy inventory? And part of that, we to help sellers understand kind of the difference between going to Kickstarter versus cash flow financing is that the model we used was based on the old way of cash flow financing of, all right, if you want to go for a loan of $200,000, that is accruing an interest of on average 10% over a one to two year term. And those interest payments are something that tend to kill future cash flow. And I actually really like the model that you guys have because you don't necessarily do the interest rate. You, you handle funding in a way that I think is much healthier uh, for sellers growth. And I'd love to dig into, into kind of what it costs to get the loan. So. So, um, so it's a fixed cost. Um, so it's a little, it's a little different because like while we are, while we are flexible, we do have our sellers kind of build out 
their plan. And um, I guess maybe I'll take a little step back as well. It's like another way we kind of differentiate is a lot of times people people think about getting funding as like, how much do I qualify for? You know, it's like, where is where is the top? And I want that. Um, but instead we say, well, how much do you need? And then can you build out a plan that kind of validates that? And that is really kind of what our sellers are doing with the tool and saying like, okay, like this is, this is my plan. And then we look at their sales history, sales data. We don't look at, we don't do like credit checks or anything like that. So it's really purely based off, based off of their, their store um, and the viability of kind of like their previous, like what they've been doing as well as the viability of like looking forward what their product is. Um, yeah. yeah. And then from there, you know, we're, we're either going to them saying like, great, like that works or, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe you need to take it down a little bit or maybe like this is like where we could work with. Um, yeah. And then we're looking at that, period of time that they're going to be getting that amount of money um, continuously. And then there's right. a fixed cost off of that. And then it's six to 10 K for every hundred K funded. Um, so that way, you know, the seller's aware of that cost, like what that is going yeah. to look like. Um, and, you know, and as things change, like if they do want to change, like we also kind of update what that total cost will be and let them know as well. So we really just want to make sure our sellers are like really aware of like what that cost is and what they're getting into. Gotcha. And um, so six to 10 K for a one-time fee over for every hundred K um, where like six to 10 K, what is that range based on? Yeah. Great question. So um, it's, it's just multiple variables. I'd say probably sales oh, like history risk, is the biggest piece. Okay. Um, yeah, like really risk factors. So like, for instance, if you're selling something that's very seasonal, that might be the cost might be a bit higher because we're taking a bigger risk um, giving you those funds um, versus if you have you have more sales history, that could be a lower cost. So there's just yeah. multiple variables that go into it. Um but yeah, I would say probably sales history might Completely be like the biggest one. Um, so I love that we've dug into like how the process works with 8fig and some differentiators. I'd love to get into some best practices for e-com sellers that are maybe working with 8fig as like for the first time or exploring inventory financing. Um, what would you say is the biggest misconception that sellers have when it comes to looking for cash flow financing? Yeah. Um, some mistakes that we see a lot is that we get sellers who like people are just so in the weeds of just like, okay, needing that next amount of money to pay for inventory that they might be willing to kind of like take more than they need or like sign on to something that's just like fast. Like we get like we have a lot of people who use like Amazon loans, for instance, which is because it's like whenever I ask people, they're always like, you know, it's fine. <laughs> like it's just it's just easy. It's just easy. So it's like to I think, you know, you can make a decision quickly, but to also make sure you're not just going for like the click of a button easiest thing and make and like also being aware of like what do you really need in terms of those in terms of those funds and making sure that you're not signing on to like for instance if you are going like the equity route like you're giving up ownership that's a massive decision and maybe right now it's like great I'll give away 40% of my company because it's not really worth much um but it could yeah like I think it's yeah. like you really do have to kind of think of what 
you want down the road? Like, are you just trying to like scale quickly and, 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 um, sell it? Or is this something that you really want to have a lot of like ownership over? Um, so I think really, you know, trying to just avoid going for like the fastest, easiest thing. That's just a click of a button, like in your hands and trying to make sure that you actually are kind of sitting down and building out a plan for yourself and seeing what you actually need and not just going to, you know, a fund, someone who could provide funds and saying like, what do I qualify for and taking that? Um, cause there is like in this business, people are very like things happen so fast. Yeah. Um, and people just try to get, you know, get funds for their next, um, inventory payment and their next thing when really you do have to think a little more long term um, and make sure that you're not kind of signing on to something that is not really aligning with where you want to take the business. Yeah, because I see um, there's an insecurity with new sellers that like it's it's kind of a mindset thing where they go in not knowing their worth or not knowing what they can get in the beginning. So they end up compromising versus really asking, mm. do I want investors? Do I want to trade equity? Do I want to bootstrap this? What kind of partner am I looking for? Um, and really having the confidence and conviction that I think sellers that you work with over and over and over again have a very different approach to what kind of deals that they go for based on what they want long-term as opposed to, ooh, I'm an inexperienced new seller. I just got approved for a loan on Amazon. That just seems easy. I'm going to do that. And you end up getting buried in whatever fees and contract you have versus shopping around a little bit. Yeah, that's... That's great advice. Um, what is one thing you see experienced sellers doing that first time sellers can learn from? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think that there's a lot of, well, first off, <laughs> I feel like I'll always do a little plug for big, but, um, I mean, I think, I think that there is like a natural, um, like taking money can be a scary thing, like taking on like any sort of debt, like owing people money. Um, but I think that there is this mindset of like, you know, oh, if you take that on, then, you know, then who knows what can happen. But I think even when you think about like buying a house, like you're taking on debt, but you're also owning, like that's the way that you can kind of take that next step to like ownership. And so when it comes to like, we've had sellers who they were, they got started on Amazon during the pandemic um they had like a few fails they found a product that really was selling and they couldn't yeah they just didn't they couldn't bootstrap themselves to scaling because I mean the end of the day like you have to put that money up front before you're going to make it back and so I think that it can be really scary for sellers to really take funds but a lot of times like you can't scale without that funding and unless you have a rich uncle who's like super duper generous, like you do have to find like funding alternatives um, in order to scale. And some people want are fine just having their store be their side hustle. And I think that's awesome, you know, but if you really do want to scale and take it to the next level, like you have to get that money and put that up front. So um, I think that's something that larger sellers know, like innately, that's something that they've all done like every like experienced seller I've taken, I've talked to has taken funding at, at some point. Um, another thing I've seen experienced sellers be quite good at is just the, um, kind of the planning, the inventory forecasting and planning component, um, and building in multiple 
kind of layers in their supply chain process so that it's like, you know, you have a 3PL, even if you're working like Amazon FBA, like still having a 3PL as someone on the boots on the ground, having multiple supply chain like suppliers and being very like kind of having that proactive supply chain so that you if anything falls through you kind of have a backup you have those relationships um and I think especially for I'm not sure how many people listening to this are like DTC or Amazon um but like for Amazon sellers like definitely having a like 3PL in addition to FBA so that you can really control the amount of inventory you have in specific places and so that you're not getting you're not going out of stock and then you're not getting hit with crazy fees so that you kind of have this alternative place to to store your product um so yeah I mean it can it can definitely be involved but I think like once you've built those relationships and you have those options like you know you can also get uh, you can get way lower costs on just like bulk shipments. And like, once you have relationships and shown that you've been able to pay things back on time, you can get better term deals, like all these things of just being very, very hands-on involved with like your supply chain and, and vendors as well. Yeah. Uh, th- really well said. Um, I want to ask a stupid question because I know no that such thing. Is. <laughs> Is there a difference between giving like um, you guys working with an Amazon seller for cash flow versus like a Shopify seller or someone who is selling on their own website? Yeah, um, I would say like the main difference we see in seller. I mean, there's there's a lot of differences in the way that they work. Like Amazon sellers, for instance, like you have to cater to a lot of Amazon's rules. Um, and things. So that's why it's like when you're doing like um, fulfillment by Amazon where you're actually having your goods stored um, there, like you have to think about like how much can I, how much am I allowed to have there? What are the fees associated with that? Like, you know, how can kind of Amazon like dock me for like bad behavior? Like there's a lot of kind of those things that you have to factor in as well as like how you're going to stand out in the listings and with like because a lot of it is like your listings themselves don't really stand out like that much like there's some you can do you don't have as much control but a lot of it is just like ppc and getting reviews um versus like dtc is a lot more it's like a lot more holistic in the whole experience of like they don't they're starting they're focusing on building their audience like amazon sellers already have their audience all of Amazon. So DTC is like, I would see them spend a lot more on like marketing. They have to think a lot more about marketing, um, their own, like there's just so many other channels. I think one of our, one of our DTC sellers is very successful. Like they have a very powerful influencer strategy. And that's Mm. something that like Amazon sellers don't even really think about. Maybe that's something that they're starting to think about like there's those things are starting to grow within like the Amazon world like influencers and like affiliate links and that sort of thing but um yeah it's just it's it's interesting because I feel like the the approach is just very very they're very different animals there's plenty of similarities like the end of the day they're entrepreneur they're building something from nothing Mm -hmm. um but I mean I find it very fascinating for sure the Biggest difference that I see from surface level, just being friends with Shopify sellers versus Amazon sellers are the Amazon sellers that don't sell off Amazon are very cagey 
they will not talk about their product because there's a lot of hijacking that happens. Yeah. And uh, it took me, one of my best friends, it literally took me four years for him to show me his listing and open up to what his Amazon brand was. Wow. I get, and so I get that. And so the Shopify seller though, they have a brand and they have to talk about the product. So it is like, it's polar opposite. It's a completely different mindset. Um, and so surface level, I know who I'm talking to at the table based on if I'm like, oh, like what kind of products do you sell? And if they just say like home goods. Yeah, like, the category. Ah, yeah. Versus, yeah, yeah. Versus, oh, we sell journals that help X, Y, Z. Like, yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. Like I, I, I have a lot of appreciation for both. Like obviously building a brand from scratch is a lot, like takes so much hustle and there's like a lot of passion like about your product, like just having the best product and having it unique in the space. Um, with Amazon sellers, like it's usually, I feel like a lot of times it's more of just like they knew they wanted to build something and then they like found the opportunity and went with it. And like, I think that's great because like as someone who's like, I've always like, I'm like, yeah, like having my own business would be super cool. But like, I don't have like a product idea that is going to change the world, but I could find an opportunity. Like there's a lot of like with the world of Amazon, there's a lot of just like almost like formulas to the way you do things. Um, you know, the keyword research you're going to do and like understanding like based off of competitors that are already in the space or the reviews that they got, like finding that like niche um, versus like DTC is like, like pure brute, like building it and just running with it. So it's like, yeah, there's a lot of, it's very interesting. Both worlds, I think. Oh man, that would make a great episode. Let's talk about the differences in the different kinds of Shopify businesses versus the different kinds of Amazon sellers and like, uh, so interesting. But anyway, um, uh, so I have one last question, which is before I get distracted, um, is there anything that I should have asked you today that I haven't? Um, maybe just. No, I don't know. I'm probably say a little bit more about a fig. <laughs> um, Tell me a little bit more about a fig. Yeah, no, I guess like, I guess I hit on main, the main points is kind of just like the need for having flexibility, the need for um, planning and, and having kind of a partner that can work with you um, through the process. And I think that's kind of just like where we, where we can stand out is just like really that flexibility in the e-commerce first side. Um, and we are planning on, you know, our like product roadmap is, you know, always kind of changing. So I think like we are, since we are like a, a SaaS platform, we are planning to build a lot of like interesting features that will be freemium and, and really useful for sellers as well. Um, yeah. And I guess like if I was also to, I feel like I've been asked, asked this on, um, in other places and I was like, Oh, maybe this is also helpful. Um, but considering that the market we're currently in the like recession that hasn't come, but is almost here, I guess it's like, technically it's not a recession. Like, you know, when you're like, Oh, it's summer, but it's like technically not summer yet, but you're kind of looking around and you're like, I feel like it's summer. I feel like that's, that's what it's like for a recession right now. It's not here yet, but I feel like we're here. Um, We've been here for a while, but we don't know because maybe people just keep saying it's coming. We don't know. Yeah. I feel like there's like specific indicators that are like, this means it's a recession. And I don't know those off the top of my head. 
Um, but just the idea of like what sellers can do um, is just really like now is the time to kind of just like double down on what works. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it, you know, we always think like experimentation is, is great. Um, but right now <laughs> it's probably more focusing on you hear a product and really just um, kind of strengthening those areas, like seeing where you can like seeing where you can kind of optimize further, like especially kind of alluded to or not alluded to, like specifically talked about the supply chain. You yeah. can find like more areas where you can save money um, and just be a little more proactive. And so like look at those areas, like get rid of the things that aren't working, you know, the ads and, and all those things, like just focus on the core and then yeah. just, you know, map out your whole chain and see like, where can you get some cost savings and that sort of thing. So that's something that we've seen a lot of our sellers starting to do and and seen some success and just trying to kind of like, you know, hunker down and, and get through this. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll make it through fine. And yeah, we always do. So yeah, we either die or we get stronger. (laughs) either die or we get stronger i mean yeah that's like that's like life yeah i would say um get that on a shirt yeah love it yeah launch (laughs) or die no kidding uh yeah i'm not about that (laughs) but no that's like really really good advice um so if people want to learn more about working with eight fig where is a good place to send them um, so definitely check out our website and it's eightfig.co.co, not .com. Um, and then you can also email myself, Emma, at eightfig.co or like our general marketing um, email, which is howdy because we're we're based in Austin. So we're like trying to lean into the cowboy thing. Um, howdy, howdy at eightfig.co as well. Awesome. And we'll be sure to put all those in the show notes. So if you missed that, just like go below the video on YouTube or on the podcast uh, show notes at launchandscale.co. Um, outside of that, uh, this has been fantastic. So guys, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to give a big thumbs up and thank Emma in the comments for coming and sharing her wisdom today. And outside of that, thank you so much for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit subscribe on your mobile device. And for more resources and information on how you can launch and scale your e-commerce business online, be sure to go to launchandscale.co. And we've also got a ton of free actionable content available on TikTok and YouTube. Just be sure to go to either platform, search for Kirsten, my name, K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N. Apart from that, we'll see you in the next episode.